encouraged they be encouraged lord whatever your will may be lord in their life lord i ask you god they be receptive to what it may be lord and i just ask you lord to these things in jesus name amen and amen as we continue looking at the land of the uh the book of joshua the land has been possessed it's been subdued there's various tribes that received their inheritance at this time and but joshua still has work to do amen you know, I, I think sometimes, and I want to stop here for a moment, sometimes when we feel like everything's going good, we're doing a few things, we think we can just coast. There's no coasting for the church, amen? Hey, we've we got to be on, on, we got to be moving all the time, and as Joshua and the children of Israel are, are, are starting to get their last piece of land, Moses still had a commandment made in Numbers chapter 35. Later, you can look at Numbers 35, verses 1 through 34. They were to appoint six cities and cities of refuge. These cities would be made available to someone who killed another person by accident. And these cities were refuge. I want to just consider this morning and look at these cities and just thinking about Jesus being our refuge. Amen. I want to consider, compare these cities to Jesus because he is our refuge. He is our rock. We find refuge in him. First of all, I want to look at the purpose of these cities. They were to serve as a refuge, first of all. The Bible says that anybody killed anybody accidentally, that they could go to these cities, they could flee to these cities, you know, in, in the Old Testament, God was very swift when it come to judgment. You know, when, when he began to, you know, think about this for a moment. When God began to give the law, he had no provisions for a police force. He had no provision for a police force. There's no police force in there. He had the provision for the Levites. But the punishment in the Old Testament, thank God it's not like that in the New Testament, there was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burning for a burning, a wound for a wound, and a stripe for a stripe. And really a life for a life, unless you did it accidentally. So however it's clear, reading the verse 35, the Lord sees a difference between murder and manslaughter, and that's our terms basically today, the difference between a murder and a manslaughter. That's one of the terms we use, he said, unwillingly in the Bible. But therefore, if a man had accidentally killed someone, the avenger of blood could not go after him as long as he went through the city. And we'll share a story later in 2 Samuel where someone didn't do that. But as long as they went to the city, he could find safety until judgment came, until they figured it out, was it an accident or was it on purpose? You know, in our world, we call it manslaughter because a lot of times there'd be people who maybe have an accident and kill someone unwillingly, not on purpose. But not only was it, it was, it was a, served a refuge, but it was served as a reminder. Think about this. These cities serve as a point to remind us that there's only refuge in our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. There's only refuge found in him. You see, here's our problem. We're born in sin. The Bible is clear. It says, for all have sinned and shall short of the glory of God. It, it, it wasn't your fault that you was born in sin. Amen. It was the first persons that was, that was born or God created. It was their fault. But, but, but even though it's not their fault that we're born this way, it's our fault if we stay that way. Somebody say amen. Amen. So often we, we well, you know, I, I'm not a good counselor, Brother Kent, because when people come to me and say, well, I'm doing this because my mama or my daddy, hey, it's time that we say, look here, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to be like this person. I'm going to not stay that way. But so often we're going to blame it on everybody else. And God, you know, we, we're born this way in that sin nature, but God's made us a refuge, amen? God's made us a way, and it's our choice whether we take that or not. Because, you know, as, as, as believers, you know, we're born into sin, and we, some of us do it every day. 
You know, I, I tell people all the time, I say, you know, you know how you can tell you're born in sin because you don't have to teach your kids how to be bad. They know how to do that, amen. But you've got to teach them how to be good. I mean, they already know how to fight. They already know how to pick sides. They already know how to start trouble because we're born in that nature. Hey, but we've got to choose when we become old enough to realize, hey, we, we, we have that sin and there is a way to accept the way, which is Jesus Christ. You know, so I want to encourage you, hey, think about that. It's, it's, it, you know, th there's a city of refuge for these folks, but there's only one city of refuge for us. Or, and that's in a person. That's not a city. Amen. That's Jesus Christ. But we see the purpose of the cities, these provisions of the cities. They were provided by God. In verse 1, God just spoke it into existence. It ain't something that man come up with. It's something that God come up with. Hey, God had the plan. You know, and, I, and what I love about the Lord is from Genesis chapter 1, to Revelation, he's already had it all figured out. Amen. It was all God. It's all part of God's plan. He knew Adam was going to fall. He already had it all figured out. Hey, there's nothing that happens by accident. Hey, it's all a part of God's plan. And I want to remind you, hey, that God give us a gift. Even though he knew we were going to be born into sin, and hey, he gave us a gift of a son. The Bible says this, and this is one of my favorite verses, one of the verses probably anybody in the world can Quote, but it says, but God gave his son, amen, his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, you know, it's so important to realize that it was, it was designed by God. Not only was it provided by God, but it was provided by grace. God could have allowed the manslayer to die like any other person, but he didn't. He added grace. He gave him a chance. And I tell you this morning, God gave us a chance. God's give us grace. Hey, God's give us a chance, and so many times we squander that chance away. I see so many people that squandered away, or they say it's hard for me to believe. Hey, but it's like that childlike faith. The Bible says we've got to accept it like that childlike faith. You know, but when it comes to, 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 the, to this, this, this uh, being invited by, by, by grace, it's all God. Why do you say it's all God? Because, first of all, he initiates the process. Hey, the Bible says no one can come to him unless he draws them. Amen. Hey, it's, it's, you know, but we, we Baptists, we're bad about this. We come to the altar and repeat this prayer after me. I don't find that in the scripture. Amen. Now, there's nothing with helping people pray. But so many times we want to we say, hey, repeat this prayer after me. It's, it initiates the process, but not only that, but he provides the means. I always initiate. So look here. <laughs> I'm providing the means. I'm providing the cure for it. And then number three, he saves those who believe. And, and what I love about that is all you got to do is believe in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Accept you as your personal Lord and Savior. And then number four, and, and, and different, different people wrestle with this, but not only does he save those who believe, he keeps those he saves. You know, I, I'm a firm believer, once saved, always saved. And you say, well, preacher, how can you say that? Well, let me ask you a question. If I don't have anything to do with my salvation, and, and it's all God, how can I lose something I don't have nothing to do with in the first place? Amen? If God has it all secured, if the Bible says I'm saved until the day of redemption, how can I give that up, or how can I just mess that up? And the Bible says God did it all. He's initiated it all. He secures it all. And so, hey, there's nothing I can do about it. And let me be honest with you. I've, I've never met a saved person they say they want to give it up anyway, man. If you, if you do, you probably ain't saved in the first place because you ain't got what I got. 
But then we see the purpose of the cities and the provision of the cities. We see the power of the cities. They had power to save. When a manslayer, when the person came who, 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 was, who had killed somebody accidentally, hey, that, that city was to save them, protect them from any harm. Hey, you know where I'm going with this, right? Amen. Hey, so it is with Jesus. He's the one who can guarantee salvation. He's the one who's going to come get us. He's the one that's going when, when, the, when, when the father says, son, go get your children. He's coming to get you, amen. He's the only one that can save. The Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life that no man cometh to the father but through him. Hey, he's the one that can save. Not only they had the power, the cities had the power to save, but they had the power to secure Notice, as long as a person within the city was there, they were safe. The avenger of blood could not come get them. Think about it. When we commit our souls to the Lord, hey, we are secure. Hey, we don't have to worry about it anymore. The Bible says that nothing can take us out of his hand. We're secure. We're forever settled in heaven. When, you know, and you know, but the, when I think about the Scripture, though, in the Scripture here, they had to wait for the high priest to make judgment, to realize if this, if this guy was guilty or not guilty. And if he's guilty, they give him to the avenger of slave. If he wasn't guilty, they would declare him not guilty. He had to stay there as long as the high priest was alive. But let me tell you this. In our situation, we are guilty. There's no question in the matter. We're born guilty. But let me tell you this. Judgment day already happened for us. We're going to celebrate it in a few weeks at Easter, amen. Hey, when, when judgment day already happened for us, the wrath of our sin was put on Jesus. Hey, Jesus died on that cross. It was put on him. And then on the third day, he rose, amen. So I want to let you know, even though we're guilty, Jesus still loved us. He still paid the price. Hey, we're forever settled in heaven. And if, if people look at us, the devil looks at us, hey, we're innocent because our price has already been paid. You're secure in Jesus, amen. Not only is the power secure, but they're powerful, sufficient. These cities of refuge would work all those who fled to them, and they would suffice or take care of every need that they had. And you know the same way with Jesus. He takes care of every need. Not every want, but every need that we have. If you have any needs this morning, hey, he's there. He's sufficient. But I only see the purpose of the cities, the provisions of the cities, and the power. But we see the position. Man, I love this. They were available to all, the Bible says. All six of the cities were available to all. There were three on one side of the Jordan. On the west side, there were three on the east side. They were available to every person. What are you saying, preacher? Jesus is available to all. He's available to all, no matter what culture, no matter what race, no matter what country, no matter what time frame. He's available to all. He died for us all. The Bible says he's Savior to the uttermost. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying if you lost this morning, hey, he's available. All you got to do is accept him. But not only, was he, not only were they available to all, but they're accessible by all. What do you mean by that? They were prominent cities. Most of them was on a mountain. Why was they on a mountain? Because people could see them and know where to go when they had trouble. But not only were they prominent, but they were prepared. There were certain preparations made when that person went into the city to take care of that person to guarantee his safety. Number three, the roads were never clogged. What do you mean by that? The priest would make sure the roads leading to the city were clear of obstruction so the person who's running from the manslayer can get there. 
And then the gates were never closed. No matter what time of day or night, the gates were open for the city of refuge. And then lastly, the directions were never confusing. What do you mean by that? There was a signpost with a Hebrew word that said, Mikalat, written on them that had been set upon in the way of the city. And it means refuge. Now think about this for a moment. What a picture these things point for us when it comes to Jesus. Like the city on the top of a hill, he can be seen at all times. Amen. And number two, the road leading to him is always clear. Hey, there's no obstructions. Hey, when he died on that cross, the Bible says the veil was rent from top to bottom. Hey, because all access, we don't have to go to a priest. Hey, we don't have to wait to go to Holy of Holies. Hey, we can go straight boldly to the throne because of his finished work on the cross. He's always, he's always available. It's always clear. And then number three, he's always available. Jesus is never closed. He never takes a day off. You know, I, I, you ever see those commercials, those commercials with people getting sick, and they said, I don't feel like parenting today. Hey, we have a Savior that's all-powerful, all almighty, that's always accessible. Hey, if you get up early in the morning, hey, if you get up late, if you go to bed late at night, he's always accessible. And number four, the way to him is clearly marked. Hey, the Bible Tells us exactly how to get to him. Amen. Hey, it, we know exactly how to get to him. As I said a few moments ago, John 14 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man coming to the... Hey, there's only one way, and that's through Jesus. Now, think about this. They had a sign that showed them which cities were cities of refuge. You know, this is a, this is a word for us this morning, church. You know, we are the ones who should hold the sign, and we should be the ones hitting the headways and hedges, or the, the highways and hedges, pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to the city of refuge, pointing to the person of refuge. You know, next week, April 1st, I wish I could be there. I already had a conflict of scheduling, but April 1st is a way you can point people to Jesus. How is that? By saving a life. I truly believe God's the giver and sustainer of life. And hey, for us to come to be others, the body of Christ, we can point people to Jesus, let them know we care about life. But I only see the, the purpose, the provisions, the power, the position. But lastly, we see the picture. It gives you names. Some of these names are hard to pronounce, but number one, the first name was Kandash. Kadesh, it means righteousness. It's a refuge for the unclean. Then number two is Shechem. Shechem means shoulder, a refuge for the one who is lost in the wilderness of sin. And then Hebron, we talked about it last week. That's where Caleb took his possession. That means fellowship, a refuge for the lonely sinner. And then Bezer means fortress, a refuge for the helpless sinner. And then Ramoth means heights, a refuge for the wretched sinner. And then Golan means joy, a refuge for the downcast. This is a picture of the necessity, hey, that we need really to think about what God wants us to do as a, as a church, you know, and, and, and what God wants us to do as individual. You know, there's a story I want to share with you out of Second Samuel. There's a, this guy named Abner tries to reason with this guy named Ashel, if I say it right, but Ashel continues to pursue Abner, and as, as he pursues Abner, 
and, and he's, he's running after him. He, he's carrying a sword or spear, and apparently Abishel runs into the spear and dies. Later, we find Abner at the gates of the city of Hebron, which is one of the refuge cities. There he's met by Joab, David's commander-in-chief. Joab's an older brother of Ashel. And Joab catches Abner in the gate of the city of refuge and kills him to avenge his death. But what's most striking about the comments made by David in 2 Samuel, it says this, Abner, if you, lie, you died like a fool, you were right there at the gate of refuge. All you had to do was walk in the gate. Nobody had to tie you up. You would have been saved. You died a fool. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, hey, you can go into the gate this morning. Amen. I had someone ask me this week. It was Brother Allen and several people's asked me how my revival went this week. My revival that I preached this week, the revival I preached was different than any revival I've ever preached. Did a lot of people get saved? No, I can't say a lot of people got saved. But I never forget on Monday night as I preached, I preached on how far you're willing to go for God. And I give the invitation. And, and Monday night, this, this older gentleman came down to the, to the altar. And when he came down to the altar, he was weeping, he was broken. And he said this, he said, Preacher, I need to recommit my life to Christ. I need to get right with God. I, I, I just feel God telling me to do that. And I, I've never seen an older gentleman get so broken as this gentleman was. And you can just feel the Holy Spirit on him. And, and we, we sat there and we prayed together. And then the service was over. The next night I showed up on Tuesday night. And at the beginning of the service they said someone fell. Someone's in the hospital. Please pray for the guy. Neither did I know it was the same guy who rededicated his life the night before. So before the service was over, they pulled the plug on him. He was getting ready to go to church on Tuesday night. He fell, had bleeding on the brain, had a brain aneurysm, and he died. That's Tuesday night. We still got one more night, and I'm thinking, man, the preacher's going to call me and cancel the service. This is a prominent family. This is a family that, 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 that kind of known for the, running the church, so to speak. And I figured, hey, they're going to cancel the service. They didn't cancel the service. So on Wednesday night, I showed up. In church, the whole family was there. The whole family. The son was a deacon. The son was there. And so, I'm telling you, man, I'm getting, I'm getting excited already. Amen. So, so. We get, we, 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 I preached, and, and I, I preached in the book of Acts, just talking about the early church, how God had power moving in the early church, and, and I forget, we, we, we give the invitation, we laid hands on the pastor and the deacon, just prayed with him, and then after the fact, the son came up to me, and he was weeping, and said, this has been the best revival I've ever seen in this church. He said, I just want to thank you for preaching the word of God this week. He said, for my daddy to come forward on Monday, was monumental. He said, then he went to be with the Lord yesterday. He said, I just want to let you know, I, I, God is good. Now, I've never had a revival like that, amen. You say, well, that, that's, a, that's special to me, amen. To, to see the family, to be there, because and just celebrating what the God, what the Father done. And just pray for the church, amen. I think God's going to do a mighty work there in that church because of the, of the revival. What, what, are you, what are you saying now, preacher? I'm saying this.
You never know when God's going to call you home. This morning, you may be lost. And you may be saying, I'm going to wait till I get older. I'm going to wait till I understand more. Or I'm going to wait. You may be like that guy, Abner, standing at the gate. And then when you leave here today, it may be your last day on earth. Or you may be saved and, and you know there's some things in your life that's not quite right. Just like the older gentleman that come Monday night, he knew it wasn't quite right. He didn't make things right with God. And he was broken, and he went and said, Look here, Lord, I'm, I'm going to recommit my life. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start over. I'm going to start afresh. Hey, I want to I make things right right now. And he did. And then God said, Well done, that good and faithful servant. And took him home, amen. I, I, I would, that's just my interpretation. But the question is this morning, are you willing to take your next step? What's your next step with the walk with the Christ? Is it to get saved if you're lost? Is it recommit your life? Maybe it's an answer your call of ministry. Whatever it may be, I encourage you to be obedient to the word this morning and respond to him. Whatever God tells you to do. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. I praise you this morning for this church. I thank you for this message.